Thank you for tuning into Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. Today, we have second place finisher in the 2018 CrossFit Games, future doctor, and I'm excited to announce Cam's ex-athlete, Patrick Vellner. Pat talks about the necessity of compensation patterns in pro CrossFitters, assessment, his past, and he responds to Alex's Cam's challenge, but with a little twist. For more information on Kineticense, you can visit kineticense.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Kineticast. Here is episode 10, Movement Analysis from the CrossFit Podium, with Cam's ex-athlete, Patrick Vellner. Patrick, thank you for joining us. I said, thanks a lot, boy. So I think you're going to be able to uh, give us a little more insight and looking at these elite level CrossFitters, and just because you've been able to compete at this level and put your body through it, and you know a little more about what it takes to do it, so, and you're great at these movements. So I think you're going to be able to give us a little more insight on how to look at these guys. Um, but I would like to start with like your history and what brought you to become the level of athlete that you are. Um, sure. So I, I mean, I've been involved in sport at reasonably high levels for kind of my whole life. I've grew up um primarily I, I i competed in gymnastics and then i also played a lot of uh, box lacrosse so those were kind of my two main sports and so i kind of i would say my my training age or my sort of experience in sports goes back long before i ever started doing crossfit yeah um, which i think is is a general trend you see in, in athletes especially who get to kind of the crossfit games level there's a certain amount of I don't know if it's if it's just a kind of learned athleticism that you get through competing in sport over a long time, but uh, most of those athletes have a have a very deep athletic experience and, and background. So um, I performed in sports forever, um, and then yeah, I kind of went away. Did I went to university? I stopped competing in gymnastics. So when I was about twenty, uh, still played lacrosse for another few years. Um, went to school. Started, met some kind of friends uh, in Montreal where I went to university and, and yeah. started doing CrossFit with them. And uh, I don't know, I think that it's sort of a, it's kind of a mentality thing where I, having been a competitor for my whole life, I sort of started CrossFit and wasn't any good at it yeah. and uh, saw a lot of room for improvement. And, and there was aspects of it that I really liked. And I mean, it was challenging to learn new skills and, and learn new stuff that you're not very good at. And it's sort of, I, I, I relish a challenge like that and I have always enjoyed uh taking on something new and then getting way better at it i think you sort of get this kind of high from that experience of just you know getting better quickly and seeing a return on your investment so uh crossfit's really an avenue that's got so many different areas where you can see objective improvement that uh i really latched onto that and i thought that like yeah it was great you know you can come in and there's always something new to work on and there still is even at the level i'm at now i mean i'm not by no means am I the best at any one thing even. Um, I'm just, I'm just yeah. really good at most things. Right. So um, it's cool. I mean, you can always you can always find something to work on and find something to improve on. So it sort of was uh, what started as kind of training with friends and, and just having a way to not work out by myself at the gym. Um, it gave me it, it gave me another outlet for my competitive kind of nature and it gave me another reason to start training. I think one thing that I, I struggled with when I retired more from sports is that even when I went to kind of go work out, it was sort of without a goal, right? It yep. just, it'd just be kind of training, training and for like general health benefits. But right. 
uh, which are important, but I, I've always if you have a real goal in mind, something tangible, it's way easier to get yourself moving and get yourself there and, um, and go through what it takes to kind of keep yourself where you want to be. But um, that was something that was really easy in CrossFit is there was always a, another goal to reach for and always another step and always another stage. So the old season going from kind of the open to the regionals to the games, um, there was kind of always another another area to break through and try to see what the next stage was like and the next stage. So uh, it sort of snowballed from there. I just sort of, you know, I got little by little, I got a, I got better at the things I was bad at, um, especially for me coming in from a, a gymnastics background. I yeah. was miles ahead of where I needed to be in, in the gymnastic kind of world, but I had no experience and, and was no good at uh, Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting because I had no background in it. So yeah. um, it was fun to, you know, build that stuff from the ground up and then, yeah, like uh, – see that progress over years and like i said i still work a ton on that stuff uh so it never really ends it's sort of a constant growth process it's cool to see like it's cool to see how you come in from a gymnastics background because you you're going to excel at those i would have assumed that the barbell movements were the ones that you had to work the hardest on coming into it and like hearing you say that was cool because it's that competitive nature that you're talking about you can do this and then you can do it better and then you can do it you just start to progress and get better and better and then you succeed at it and that that was cool to hear you talk about and i think you probably take that mindset more than just crossfit it's probably kind of in chiropractic school as well isn't it yeah i think the way you do anything is kind of the way you do everything right yep. so um I think that, yeah, you transfer that to all aspects of life. I mean, when it comes to school or, or future practice, things like that in business, you kind of have to adopt that mentality and it's good. It's, a, it's, I mean, that's, that's a self growth mentality, right? Like you kind of, you really, you always strive to find the next thing to work on. What's next, what's next, what's next. It's, it's great to be proud of your accomplishments and, and be happy for where you are. But, um, they can lead to a bit of stagnancy and you don't want to sit there and rest on your laurels too long. Um, yeah. you, you do need to enjoy it, but I think that it's, it's good to always be trying to look for the next place to go and, and what, like, what's the next step? Where do you go from here? Uh, and that's how you really kind of get into self growth in any area. Like you're always going to be trying to strive to be better at something. It's kind of looking for your weakest link. You're just as strong as your weakest link and then make that stronger yeah. and go to the next one. Yeah. I always think of it as like, there's a, a saying that says if you're the smartest guy in the room you find a different room yeah you're in the wrong group right that's, sort of like, that's the same thing it's like man if you if you kind of feel like you've topped up one thing like look for something new like what's next like where can you go and try to develop a new skill or a new uh, uh a new area of yourself like and improve on so you can't uh i think that you can't really sit still for too long in this life uh it's a lot of wasted time yeah, man, I completely agree. I have the same motto. So how how did you decide that chiropractic school was the best route for you? So growing up, um, being someone who was heavily involved in athletics, um, I relied a lot on, you know, manual therapy, like whether it was physio, chiro, lots of different stuff. Yep. I definitely took advantage of a lot of manual therapy. And uh, I just, I had a good chiro growing up. Uh, I had a really good relationship with him. And, uh, you know, I saw that a ton while I was, doing sports i mean especially in a sport like sports like gymnastics where you're falling on your head every day yeah. and uh lacrosse where you're getting banged around and uh, i was constantly getting getting beat up and getting fixed back up put back together so um yeah i think when i was going through school i, I was trying to target more of a health field I, I always wanted to get into that i was really interested in it and i, I think that i saw an opportunity to um 
to kind of give back to an area that that really benefited me so when i was trying to break it down in the end and really nail down what i wanted to do it was like well like what what have you used a lot of what have you have found really helped you and yeah and like you had that really good experience you want to kind of give that back to other people right yep so i think that that's kind of what did it for me is i just i just really had a good uh, good experience with my car I had a good a good chiropractor and uh i think it's also a field where there's there's a lot of uh, misinformation and a, there's a lot of stuff going on and i think it's a, it's an area a field career that needs great ambassadors and it needs good practitioners so if you can be that then uh that's kind of what i was looking for yeah you hit the nail on the head too we do need great ambassadors and we need great practitioners that's again i i'm big with the whole kineticense system because i like 3d objective data because yeah. i can see an inner practitioner reliability that's an issue because yeah. you're going to have someone that uh, screens somebody and gives completely different scoring than someone else and then how can that data be transferred from one person to another i think that's that's constantly something that i i mean it chiropractic is criticized for certain things like that and i mean to a certain degree we we, we can't be the perfect system i mean we don't right. we can't we don't have x-ray vision like you can't uh you're, you're trying to treat non-life-threatening issues most of the time right job the job is that you need to identify things that maybe are yep. and then get them to the people that can give them the best help but for the most part it's a lot of conservative care and you're trying to narrow down what you need to deal with. But yeah, objective data, especially from the term, the standpoint of um, how, how well are people progressing from their baseline or from uh, their starting point of injury or whatever it might yeah. be. Um, it's super valuable. And I think that that sort of data will lend a lot of credibility down the line, right? It, it takes away that argument and uh, yep. the system's good for that, right? Yep. Like, so you were talking about uh, chiropractic and it's like a big manual therapy. Another another thing that we do in chiropractic is we have to really kind of figure out what the cause of the pain and symptoms are because we're more trying to treat causes too and not so much treating the symptom. So a lot of times it comes from like a functional movement analysis or comes from kind of some, a movement analysis just trying to see what's actually causing these tissues to be add that extra stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, have you seen a big correlation between chiropractic and CrossFit just because you've been in school and competing at this level? And you've talked about it in sport already, but as chiropractors, a lot of times we do functional movement analysis, right? And CrossFit is a functional movement sport. So these CrossFitters are fairly, well, they should be fairly good at these movements. And it's almost exactly like how we look at our patients. What correlation have you seen between the two? Um, it's interesting. I, most of the elite level uh, athletes that I know do see a chiropractor oftentimes they have like multimodal care right like they have chiros like they'll do all kinds of different uh forms of therapy but most of them see a chiropractor at least with some sort of reasonable frequency and it's it's interesting to me i I have a a therapist that i see who's a does like kind of performance therapy model and he, he watches me when i train or do certain movements and we we try to develop, you know, recovery protocols and various different things that are going to benefit me and open up positions for di- for different events and um, detone muscles after certain events. And yeah. it's sort of like a- an evolving process that we're trying to nail down. To, that's very specific to me, right? And I yep. think that, like you're right, everybody has different demands and different uh, abilities. And so that individualized kind of functional movement assessment is really important. But one thing that is interesting in the CrossFit world is like that there are like I, I would say that there is generally some trends that are pretty common in in CrossFit as far as movement patterns or even like movement deficits. 
but um, functional movement is a curious thing because it's sort of it's 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 very outcome oriented, right? Like a lot of it is sort of like function in and of itself is like you have can you accomplish a certain task, right? Right. So CrossFit's a very interesting world because you can be functional in many different ways. So you can see someone who to accomplish the same task adopts a slightly different movement pattern. And I think that CrossFitters are remarkably good at being adaptable um, and evolving movement patterns to suit demands. So, you know, sometimes, especially say at like a CrossFit games level, when sometimes we get things that we've never done before, you never right. used, never seen, uh, and they say like, you got to figure this out on the fly. Um, how, how do you evolve certain movement patterns that you've already developed to meet this new functional demand? And even sometimes when you have a movement that you do know very well and you know what the ideal position is for this movement, but by the time you get there, your shoulders are smoked or your back is smoked and you, and you don't have the same like muscle, muscular structures in place that you would like to use those. Like, How can you change your movement pattern to meet this functional demand yep. um, in the most efficient way possible, right? So sometimes it's kind of interesting because you see movements that on the surface look less than ideal because you're like, oh, you know, like this, you know, this lever should be better. You know, this, this hinge is like off and it's causing more strain on this guy's back. But maybe he's doing that because his legs have no more, have nothing left to give, right? Yeah. So it's sort of an interesting world where like the functional demands are met and not always in like the textbook ideal way. But that's why there needs to be kind of a certain level of understanding that these therapists have when they work with these athletes to say, hey, like, um, I know when I work with my therapist, he, he's asking me questions all the time about like, hey, uh, I noticed you were doing this when you were when you were whatever, doing your walking lunges. Like, uh, and he like initially when we first started our, our kind of relationship, he was he was usually trying to be like, oh, like, I noticed you're doing this. It's probably putting too much stress on your whatever, your back right. or your hamstrings. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I was do I was kind of doing that just because I was trying to save this part for this other movement. Um, and he's like, oh man, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, so there's sort of things that you 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 sort of develop these tendencies without really thinking about it too closely. Uh, but then when I was asked about it, I was like, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I was like I was deadlifting more with my back, but it's because I had to go do a bunch of squats and I was trying to save my quads. Yeah. he's like oh he's like oh that's actually a pretty good point where it's like i had to go do a bunch of walking lunges and i wanted my hamstrings to be intact so like i was doing this other thing a little bit differently so there's like the functional demands are sometimes you 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 meet a functional requirement in a, in a maybe a, a roundabout way that looks like it may be a little off but if you don't have that sort of working knowledge about it or you don't you don't know that person and you don't know that world um you may try to overcorrect. exactly uh and it and so that's that's sort of why it's a little bit of a delicate relate a delicate situation in crossfit sometimes um so like I, i've dealt with it like a bunch and it's funny because now he just asks he's like oh what why were you moving like that um as opposed to like oh i noticed you were moving this way i think it might be an issue it was like and if i don't have a reason like if i if i can't give him a reason why i had altered my movement pattern a certain way right and maybe it is an issue and he's like oh okay so now like we'll try to rectify something like that and, and work with it but um there is sort of like a it's like hitting a moving target a little bit right yep um crossfitters are good at it and i think the best crossfitters are the best at it where you know like a guy can still get through a certain movement by adopting a different movement pattern relying on passive structures instead of you know 
using his muscles all the time. Um, and maybe to do that, you've got to stack your joints in a way that looks a little bit more awkward or, or it might be a little bit more awkward. But for the short term of this movement, it's the, the benefit outweighs the cost in terms of this speed or this this trying to accomplish the task that you're trying to accomplish not to say that it's the perfect movement for preserving your joints and your muscles long term right whereas like i can fully appreciate that what i do to my body and what i put put it through is is not necessarily healthy right um, you know what i mean but for the average yes person who's doing say a crossfit class or any kind of fitness class maybe they would benefit more trying to walk in those those more mm textbook ideal positions and maximizing you know what their their actual body structures are meant to do and uh and reducing the strain whenever they can but like at the end of the day for certain people like if the goal is to move faster the goal is to do this heavy or the goal is to to last longer you know maybe you benefit from switching your movement patterns back and forth between a couple different things and there, there's a lot of ways to look at it so um it's cool i think that therapists have, have from what i've seen most people's therapists are, are very good yeah um and i think that they most people have been with their therapist for a reasonable amount of time i think it'd be really hard to step into that those shoes or step into that void without knowing the background or, or knowing what the um the demands are going to be like yep. and and help in any meaningful kind of way because you'd almost you like almost get in the way like i've remember in one of my lectures a while back actually i had a uh uh somebody played a video for us of like a runner running across the finish line uh endurance runner like a it was like at the end of a marathon or something okay and the um he asks like the the woman's knees are kicking back very valgus like very like kicking outward very like yeah. bony or sorry a uh, knock knee and uh, <laughs> And he kind of asked, like, all right, so, like, what would you guys, how would you guys, play, like, a five-second video, just says, like, how, what would you guys do with this patient? Like, how would you assess this gait, and, like, what would you do? And everybody, you know, hands shoot up, and they say, you know, like, well, we could uh, strengthen these areas, like, you know, mobilize this way, da-da-da. And, um, and then he, he's like, well, one, one guy shoots his head up, and he says, well, it looks to me like this lady just finished a marathon, so she might be, might be okay. Yeah. And, and he, and he's like, yeah, exactly. The instructor says, yeah, this this woman just won the Boston Marathon. Um, so, I mean, if that's her movement pattern, if you try to alter it in, in any meaningful kind of way, um, you're probably going to do more harm than good in some contexts, right? So it's, it's important to, like, understand how these people move at baseline, how you can – what their goals are, what their targets are. And then you can sort of paint a broader picture and then see where, what direction things should move and how you should try to attack it. Um, so it's, it's interesting that, like, say something like the kinetosense system yeah. provides very objective data, but there needs to be a context to everything, right? Yep. Where it's like you could look at something and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, like this position's a little bit off. And it, depending on the current demand, um, say, like, in a workout, if I was going to snatch and my – I, I snatch on film and it looks nice, but then when I snatch in this other specific workout, my position is slightly different and it might be like, oh, you, you should really work on that, but it could be an unintentional mechanism of some kind to, uh, for, for a specific purpose anyway. And that's exactly right. And that's why we'd still need to be practitioners, right? Like we have yeah, to exactly. use, use the system. It's great, but uh, 
that's why you still need the you can't eliminate the the practitioner yeah and again like this kind of goes back to my last episode with alex we talked about functional fatigue and how it's kind of used like you've said it multiple times baselining like you get a baseline then before you're working out before you're doing anything you can check a baseline you can see if you're even moving the same as you're moving normally and if you're 20 percent down there's an issue there and we can try to do something before you go into the workout but we're not going to try to say when you get exhausted and again you're talking about you said it too you're talking about the different levels of these athletes that's why i wanted you to come on here and talk because you have experienced this different level and how these athletes need to be treated differently than your normal CrossFit box if you go into and you're going to treat people that do CrossFit on the weekends. I yeah, think that absolutely. gets mixed. Yeah, and I, and I think that, yeah, you're right. The, um, the average person, especially performing for health benefits or whatever it is, um, yeah, you want to try to preserve positions as well as you can and obviously like have more of that textbook functional approach. Right. Uh, make sure demands are being reached but like in a healthy way. Yep. Um, and, and not doing harm, not nothing that's gonna um, do harm in the long run, right? Like be uh, be an issue down the line. But uh, if when it comes to like elite athletes, it's kind of funny, and, and this is something that I have to laugh at myself about because I, I I know better, you know, like I'm educated in this field, and that I I understand sometimes that what I'm doing is not necessarily. <laughs> good or smart or whatever yep but sometimes i've got to just take off my chiropractor hat and put on my athlete hat and just say like you know what um i go to the games and you know you, you put a beating on yourself and it's and some days like training is really hard and i wake up in the morning it's like and my knees really hurt today or my shoulders hurt and i almost like i've kind of taken myself out of my own equation like I, if i if i'm it, when it comes to treating my own body, like I don't think about it very much. Yeah. Um, I let, you know, my therapist deal with that. I don't try to self diagnose. I don't try to worry about it. Like Good. there are certain areas where I, I like, I know, I know when to say, you know, that's good enough and, and draw the line and, and, uh, and not overdo it, especially in training, right. but in competition, competition is competition. Yep. Like I will, I will go to the ends of the earth to win. That's right. <laughs> beat the guy next to me yeah so i'm aware that i like i know that about myself so you know when it comes to well even for example this last year at the games i had a bad fall bruised my lung and the you know all the medical doctors and the teams are like yeah you probably should not compete and i was like yeah i think i'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) i think i'll be fine (laughs) when it comes time to like compete like you need you need someone that you trust to to tell you what you need to hear and, 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 and be objective about it. And you can't be right. Like as like I, for me personally, like I, I have a hard time when it comes to like diagnosing myself or assessing my own pain, which is fun because then when I, when I deal with patients, um, I, I totally get it. You know, when people struggle to describe their pain. Or yes, exactly. I'm like, man, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing the other day. I get it. Uh, so I have, you know, my my colleagues and stuff will always, I lean on other people to do that for me because I just, like, I don't trust myself to be objective when it comes to my own. I don't think you uh, can be. Interpretation. Yeah, so it just, it's funny, and I, and, I, and I know that. So it's an interesting position because I, on the one hand, like, I know better, and I and I know enough, and I, I, sh- I should be able to do it, yeah. like, in theory. <laughs> but... Um, it's hard. It's, it's, so I think it's, it's kind of a, you, everybody needs that. Like I'm no exception. I've been asked before that, like, if I think, you know, my education and, and what I do, 
uh, is super beneficial to the way I, I recover or the way I treat my body. And like in general, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, other than save the fact that I, I maybe get treated more than the average person because I have a lot of access, a lot of them spend a lot more time on their recovery and things like that. Whereas I run straight from the gym to the classroom or and sit back down back and forth. Right. And, and I, I, so <laughs> sometimes I just, I, I don't have the time to spend, you know, uh, a couple hours going to float tanks and cryo tanks and doing all the fancy stuff. I, you know, I get my, my manual physical treatment and I, I try to sleep well at night and that's about the size of it, right? Eat and sleep and, and get treated when you need to. I mean, and just be a little bit proactive. Like I, I do a lot of activation and stuff like that. And, and right. Try to make sure that things are ready to rock when it's there. The demand is there. But yeah. I mean, you have to think you're also going from training into a classroom too and sitting down at a desk. So oh, man. some days I like, I remember, well, some days even when I'm in clinic and I'm, I'm treating patients and I'm, yeah. you're leaning over a table oh, yeah. at my back. So I lit up I just did God knows what in the morning. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. It makes me very aware of my own uh, ergonomics when I'm actually treating patients, and I, which I think down the line will make me a little better, make me work a little less hard. But uh, it's it's funny, yeah. Some days, you know, you walk in and like, it's it's a, it's a hard day. It's a physical job being a chiropractor. Yeah, no. Chiro's, chiro's physio is all like, <laughs> you're moving people around and you're demonstrating things and you're it's a it's a lot of moving around. So I. I some days I definitely feel it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know how I feel after a deadlifting day and going to like lean on patients. I can imagine going to see uh, Dr. Vellner and he's just leaning on top of you during the palpate. Just hold me yeah, up for a second. I'm resting. Yeah. It's all about, re- they're helping you with CrossFit recovery at that point. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly, yeah. I mean, you've had a lot of unique experiences. I mean, just like we're talking about all this. Have you seen any like uh, specific tests, like orthopedic tests that would be that going through CrossFit? Like I know I've seen like uh, HIBs the internal hip rotation one. And that seems to light up a lot of CrossFitters, but have you seen any specifically? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I don't I don't treat a lot of CrossFitters. Oh, wow. That's surprising to me. I think um, lots of shoulder impingement, like yeah. subacromial impingement. A lot of people pull too much with their traps and stuff like that, and they lose good scapular dynamics. Yeah. So they end up with, uh, they lose a lot of like, uh, their their top end their scapular rotation so their top end abduction is all glenohumeral and then they get some impingement yeah uh, so, in their shoulders so see a lot of that um, and I mean like low back's not uncommon and I think a lot of it is is somewhat discogenic because um, you see a lot of like low back pain into glutes maybe with some bad glute recruitment as a yeah. result. So I do a lot of rehab of like glutes recruitment of and course, glute yeah. activation with uh, with people who are CrossFitters. Um, so I think that scapular dynamics and like trying to rehab uh, those those impinge shoulder impingements, and then um, like glute low back rehab is probably those are a couple of the biggest ones I would say. Cool. That's just good to know. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you're talking about the shoulder impingement, so I think we're thinking like Nears and Hawkins Kennedys would yeah, be yeah, good, yeah, exactly, so yeah. we could run those. And then um, we, we talked about a lot of the elite CrossFitters. They, they have these PTs, Kairos, different practitioners that look at them functionally already, of course. And you talk about the different compensation patterns that need to be in there when you're competing because it's a different, it's a different time, it's a different situation. So are you, have you noticed that any things that CrossFitters are really, really good at before they're weighted? And then when they go weighted, or they're better when they're weighted, when they're not weighted? 
Oh, like as far as, you know, their movement patterns improve or deteriorate as yeah. they get heavier or as they get tired? Well, no, I mean, yes, I assume that that's going to be pretty much through. I've worked with quite a few, but I'm saying like the, the higher level guys, do they maybe without uh, weight and overhead squat, do or do they have worse form than they do with weight? I've seen the that counterbalance sometimes. I would say that most people, I think that one of the things that separates a lot of the best athletes, again, from... Um, from people who aren't as good is that their movement patterns tend to stay more similar than someone who's maybe less experienced right. um, or less technically sound. You get a little bit less disruption when like, you know, you, you change the weight on like a thruster or something, the movement pattern still stays the same. One that I will say is commonly different is overhead squats. Yeah. Um, you see an overhead squat at a lightweight, moderate weight, heavy weight, and a lot of people, myself included, my movements uh, is different. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's different in the way that you know they may put their their hands at a different width, hold the bar slightly narrower. Uh, when it gets heavy, they need they need to rely a little bit more on that shoulder mobility. Um, a lot of people end up when it's light, they can get away with a little bit more forward backward movement. Yeah. But when it's heavy, you can't uh, like any aberrant movement, and you lose the bar. Right. So people need to. You see a little more of that. Um, that people who may get toesy maybe when they're they're light, but then when it's heavy, they they really need to sit back. Sit back, yeah. Um, I'd say a lot of squatting, frankly, and especially back squatting less, but hmm. like front squat, overhead squat. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will take a lot of liberties when it's light and then when it's heavy you, you your movement actually will look a little better because you can't afford the freedom right because um, you will lose the bar like you won't you will not be able to successfully hit the, hit the rep if you don't move properly um you lock in right you lock in before yeah. the lift yeah and i yeah. and then i'd say deadlifting is probably the opposite <laughs> okay yeah no i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> so, I'd say that squatting is probably one where people tend to move better once it gets heavy and the deadlifting is the opposite so like maybe pulling versus pushing is a, is a thing yeah that's something to look at movements but uh yeah off the top of my head that's kind of all i can think of um i think that yeah, pressing. I'm trying to think of like shoulder pressing or anything like that. I don't think it's too bad. No, not as I mean, as long as there's good core stability, right? That's yeah. it's gonna be okay. And Olympic weightlifting is very, you know, it's the same as the same with the squat. Like you, any of those movements when timing is important, like positioning is very important. When any of those, you lose any of those factors when you're moving heavy loads. Yeah. And and you miss it. Yeah. Um, like you need that precision. To, to actually hit the reps properly. So once it's heavy, you, you can't afford that wiggle room. But when it's light, I mean, a little bit forward, a little bit back, it's fine. You can you can move your feet. You can you can muscle the bar back. But yeah, most of that stuff, I'd say, when it gets heavier, you 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 are forced to move better. And if you don't, you just miss it. So you'll see people who either have great movement patterns all the time or better movement patterns when it's heavy. But you'll very rarely see worse movement patterns when it's heavy because otherwise they just won't get it. Yeah, exactly. If they're successfully hitting the lift, then they're probably not doing any doing worse movements uh, when it's heavy. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. So, do you have any uh, plans after graduation then with practice or anything like that? Yeah, so I'm uh, I, I'm done. I read my last part of my board in in June, June eighth, and then my girlfriend's actually just finishing med school. 
and uh, going to start her residency on July 1st. And so she got residency placement in Nanaimo in, on Vancouver Island. Awesome. So we're moving out west. Um, I grew up in Alberta, so I'm kind of from Western Canada already. So yeah. I've been out east for like 10 years now, and I'm ready to go back out west. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited. It'll be fun. Uh, there's a clinic out there I've been looking at, but I think that I'm in a... I'm kind of, I'm going to probably, especially because she's in residency, we're, we're not guaranteed to stay there more than, you know, two, three years. Yeah. Uh, I won't look at starting anything on my own. Uh, I'll probably, I'm going to try to work as an associate somewhere, get some work experience, work with some people, um, try to find some good mentors and, uh, and get some work experience. Yeah. And uh, I'm probably, uh, I mean, I'm going to keep competing for at least a couple more years. So I'll good. be looking to work um, part-time, maybe, you know, three days a week. Uh, and then try to take advantage of some of the, the opportunities that CrossFit has brought that I've had to turn down for the last three years of school. Right. Um, and some cool opportunities to travel and see the world and, and go do some fun stuff. So that's awesome. Um, I want to, I definitely want to make sure that I'm, I'm practicing cause I think I'd be really doing myself a disservice if I just sort of went cold Turkey and, and didn't do any treating and didn't use my hands or use my brain. Yeah. in any meaningful way for you know a year or two it would be very challenging to come back and you know it would be it would be irresponsible to like jump right back into practice yep um so plan is to practice uh, at least a bit and uh, and you know do some continuing education do some courses here and there and uh and then yeah once we're done that stint there uh who knows i, I don't know how i don't know where we're gonna end up after that residency <laughs> done, so uh but that will hopefully be somewhere we can put some roots down because it's been a, a pretty transient existence for the last long time. So I wouldn't mind getting somewhere where I can sink my teeth and do it and yeah. start something up. I don't think you're going to have any trouble finding somewhere. I'm pretty sure they're going to want uh, Dr. Patrick Vellner working in their clinic with them. So you make sure you... You, yeah. you can't abuse that trust. <laughs> no, I know. I'm not. But you got to find the right partner for you, the right one to work with. That's the thing. It's yeah. got to be someone that's understanding. So... Now, um, now, one more question for you. I don't know if you know this, but Alex called you out on the best CAM score because she has scored a 90 out of the overall CAM's Kinescence Advanced Movement screen. She said that yeah, you can't beat her. I saw that, and you know what? I bet you I can't. <laughs> this is the most honest answer that any any athlete's ever given. I honestly, it will, it would, it will bother me, but I, I don't know if I could. I, I think that. I have a lot of old injuries and things like that. I admittedly have some, some trouble areas, so I'm sure it would be very useful to get my full assessment done and just sort of see how much the, the program can tell me what I already know and maybe yeah. give me some extra feedback, but um, it wouldn't would surprise me to, uh, to see that I, I don't I don't get a, a lights out score, but you know what, at the end of the day, uh, I'm functional enough to achieve my the goals that i need to do so if alex wants to step into my ring uh oh okay happy to to show a thing or two you know all right well i don't think i we might be able to set up like a little dual comp here where you have one versus one v one and we're going cams and crossfit yeah exactly and then we'll overall score it (laughs) yeah i know i i like I said, I, my, I'm, I'm good at adapting my movements and trying to meet my demands in the ways that I can. But yep. uh, I think that's one of my biggest strengths is that I'm really good at identifying what I need to do when it comes to certain movements or, or combinations of movements. But um, 
Yeah, I, I, I by no means have the, <laughs> the most functional joints and body that exists. Yeah. I, I've come to terms with that. She makes fun of me all the time, don't worry. I hit like a yeah. 78, I think, and it's just, oh, I'm no, I haven't been close, so. <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me nervous to know what mine's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, be, being a practitioner, and then every every patient wants to ask you what your score is, and you're like, ah, you know, about an 80, even though it's like, I rounded up. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. All right, well, Patrick, thanks for joining us. Loved having you on, man. Good talk, so we'll, we'll talk to you later, okay? Thanks a lot, Bo. We didn't get to talk much about the Cam's ex-athlete aspect of things with Patrick, but we will try and get him on again and dive deeper into some of the immediate applications he sees. We did talk about some important things to keep in mind when working with these athletes. Compensation patterns on pro CrossFit athletes can be a necessity and a strategy for first place. He is not saying that this is something everyone should do. He is well trained and his body is prepared for adaptations that others are not. Pat and I also spoke a little bit about the Kineticense and Cams X technology. Besides the Cams Wad we are putting together between Alex the Kinetic Coach and Cams X athlete Patrick Vellner, we spoke about objective data being a differentiator and offering baselines for progression through injury and function. Using Cams X to track your athletes, your or your patients' overall function through WADs, treatment, and rehab allows you to have a baseline and somewhere to compare when trying to improve the overall function of your athletes. It will also connect to the FPM tool, which stands for Functional Planar Mapping, that will highlight the top six dysfunctions in the body, including telling you if it's a mobility or stability issue, and in which plane of motion. Follow us at Kineticast on Instagram to stay up to date with the podcast and to see when we announce the competition for CAMS WAD 2019 with CAMS X athlete Patrick Vellner and Kinetic coach Alex Graham. For more information about Kineticense or CAMSX, the 3D functional movement analysis technology, visit kineticense.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast app. On the next episode, we have Dr. Sivak Kodabashian, president of Omega Rehab and Sport and founder of the IntelliRoll. The IntelliRoll is a foam roller that has a place for the spinous process, which is the bone on the back of the vertebrae that sticks out on your spine, to lay normally when rolling and also has curves to be able to roll the TFL and other hard to reach areas on the body. As a rehab specialist, I have used a ton of rollers and this is the one I will be recommending to my patients. Dr. Sivak will join us to talk about the science behind rolling, why there is a need for rollers that access different tissues, how Kineticense CAMS and CAMS X can help track the positive changes the rollers are having, and we will share some experiences of how rolling has helped increase progress in patient rehab. I'm your host, Bo Sauls, and let's keep learning about movement, performance, and rehab together. <laughs>